This is Clutch Fans. And by the way, shout out to the Clutch fans. You're listening to the Clutch Fans Podcast, an open conversation for Houston Rockets diehards. Houston Rockets unbeatable. I'm ready to get on Clutch Fans. Now, here's your host, the man who would have drafted Harold Miner over Robert Ory, Dave Hardesty. Here we go. It is draft week, folks. Uh, the NBA draft is this Thursday, and the Rockets have the 34th pick of the draft, courtesy of the Marcus Morris trade with Phoenix last year. Uh, and as is the case every year, they are rumored to be looking at moving up or adding an additional pick as well. Uh, we're excited to have in with us today NBA draft analyst Chris Monter, the editor and publisher of collegebasketballnews.com and Monter Draft News. Uh, Chris, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Yeah, great to be back with you guys. How are you? Doing really well, thanks. Yeah, it's been a while. Uh, we've been big fans of your work for years, and uh, you've been incredibly accurate, in my, in my personal opinion, in analyzing several of these draft prospects. In, in this year's draft, we, we hear a lot of reports about this being a weak draft. Uh, in your opinion, is this draft, uh, I guess, as bad as people are making it out to be, or is it just viewed that way because of how outstanding next year's draft class is projected to be? It might be a kind of a combination of both. I think when you look at this year's draft, there isn't that, you know, Tim Duncan or LeBron James, White Howard, you know, the guy you know is going to definitely be the number one pick. It's, a, a, I think, a better draft than people think, though, because I think it's a deeper draft. I mean, you look at the top collegiate players from this past year, if you're a college basketball fan or even just a casual fan, most of these names uh, that you're going to hear leading up to Thursday's draft are names that are fairly recognizable, whether it be a you know, Cody Zeller or Victor Oladipo, Ben McLemore, et cetera. Most of these names are fairly well known. So the knock on this draft is going to be that it's not a super top heavy draft, but I think there are players that are going to go in the mid to late first round who have very good NBA careers. I think there'll be a lot of second rounders that stick in the league for a long time. And to be honest, probably some even undrafted players who make the league. So I think it's a, a good draft, but because it isn't that star player, I think people are kind of downgrading this draft a little bit, but I think it's a deeper draft than many, many drafts we've seen in recent memory. Definitely. Hey, Chris, you know, the Cleveland Cavaliers at pick one, they have a lot to think about. They could go in a variety of directions. The report suggests that they're considering taking one of the two big men, whether it be Nerlens Noel of Kentucky or Alex Lynn of Maryland. What are your thoughts on those two center prospects, and who do you like more? Well, they're two uh, di- kind of different prospects, but ironically, both are injured right now, so they're not really able to work out for teams, of course. Uh, Nerlens, who had an outstanding freshman season towards ACL against Vanderbilt towards the end of the season, trying to make a, a, a great individual defensive play coming back on defense, which uh, unfortunately you don't always see a lot of big men do. But he raced down the court, tried to block a shot, unfortunately suffered an injury, costing him the rest of the season. Uh, Land, a player who, to be honest, maybe a lot of people aren't that familiar with, played at Maryland, a team that didn't make the NCAA tournament, made it to the NIT but not a real long old commodity, but a player who really improved a lot from his freshman to his sophomore year. He's had some foot injuries that's preventing him from working out. If I were the Cavs, I'd probably look at Nerland Luell. I think he's a, a player who can definitely make an impact on the defensive end. Great shot blocker. I was about five blocks a game. He's a little bit stronger. Was listed only 206 pounds in Chicago, but combine. But did weigh as much as about 225 in the regular season. Lost some weight after the injury and has put some of that weight back on. But again, 
you know, when he's going to be battling against much bigger, stronger players, that's going to be a little bit of concern. But I think he has maybe a little bit more of an upside. And again, Cleveland maybe is in a position where they maybe look at Merlin Zoel as kind of a redshirt type player. Might not be able to play until January, maybe. Uh, but the earliest, who knows, when he'll be able to come back. We saw you know, a player like Derek Rose hasn't even come back from his knee injury. So I don't think they're going to rush it. But worst-case scenario, if they're not a good team next year, they have a good chance of getting – uh, a very high pick for the 2014 draft, which you already mentioned, might be one of the more stronger and deeper drafts in recent memory. So I think Noel makes a lot of sense for Cleveland. They could use another big body up, up in the front court to go along with some of the big men like Tristan Thompson, Anderson Verano. So I think he would be a nice addition for that team. You know, and this is an interesting draft in that not only do we have that debate you just outlined at the number one spot between players who play the same position, uh, but there's a debate of who will be the next two guard, I think, that goes in the draft as well. And that's between Kansas's Ben McLemore and uh, Indiana's Victor Oladipo. Uh, you know, personally, I'm a big fan of Oladipo's game. I love his work ethic. I think defensively he can be a potential stud, I think, in the league. At collegebasketballnews.com, you have McLemore rated higher than Oladipo. Can you talk a little bit about the difference between those two players and how you project them in the pro game? Yeah, they're both players. I think they will go in a fairly close range. I think both of them probably could go number five. I think one of them likely goes number two uh, to Orlando, which has the number two pick. Again, you know, they've looked at both of those players very strongly. I think McLemore maybe a little bit more of a scorer. I think that's the one thing. Older Depot a little bit more of a defensive player. Older Depot has mentioned so great improvement from his sophomore to his junior season. Wasn't a big time recruit. Either was really McLemore. He wasn't a you know McDonald's All American. He was a top fifty type player. Older Depot was kind of a top hundred. Type players, and neither of these players were expected to be, you know, NBA prospects to this level so early in their career. Of course, McLemore read through in one year because of academics played this year as a freshman, was one of the best freshmen in the country, Oladipo, played three years in Indiana. But uh, both of those players, I think, could go with that number two pick. I would maybe just lean a little bit towards McLemore. The one knocking Oladipo, you know, he made strong strides, but could it be that proven score? I think that's the one question mark. He's got the defensive skills, I think, to play. You know, a, a position where you have some of the best players in the NBA at the shooting guard spot. McLemore, the knock on him, the kind of is, can he be a little bit more aggressive? I think some people look at him as a player who hasn't maybe always taken the, you know, the star reigns uh, and been that star player. And I think that's the one knock on him. But I, I think both are very talented players. You know, McLemore a little bit taller. I think only people a little stronger, about 24 pounds heavier. Uh, but both, I think, probably would go about the fifth pick. Yeah, and as, as you mentioned earlier, the, the draft doesn't seem to be very top-heavy. You know, there's not many guys that are, you know, what you could consider surefire all-stars. But some have even said that the value you could get around 15 is about the same what you could get at 40. Uh, first of all, do you agree with that, and what kind of value can Houston expect to get at number 34? Yeah, I think there are going to be some good players that will go in the second round. The one thing I was kind of always amazed by is, Seniors, they seem like they always get drown graded so much because people get so enamored with the one and done type players and the upside of them. But I look at a player like a Draymond Green, who was a second round pick this past year by Golden State and had a very important role with that team, a team that, you know, played very well in the playoffs, gave, uh, you know, Denver, a, a, a great matchup in that first round and gave the Warriors, the Warriors gave the Spurs all they could handle in that second round matchup. And I think, Sometimes we get so enamored by younger players. We saw that this past year, even Houston, you know, with Terrence Jones and Royce White didn't get much of a contribution. Obviously, they both had kind of different issues of why they weren't more productive as a rookie. But I look at a player like Draymond Green, 
He's played 140 games at a very high level at Michigan State. Played in the Big Ten, one of the best conferences in the country in Michigan State. Year in, year out, plays one of the toughest non-conference schedules. They're always in the tournament, usually making a, a pretty solid run. So I think there's some seniors, you know, maybe a player like a Nate Walters out of uh, South Dakota State. He's a Minnesota kid where I'm based out of, so I'm a little biased with him. And Mike Muscala, another Minnesota kid, both played at, you know, smaller schools like a South Dakota State and a Bucknell. But again, play well when they play the tough competition. And again, I think those are players that maybe are more ready to step in than maybe some of the players who might go ahead of them in the first round. So I think those are players that would make some sense. As you mentioned, Houston, uh, always willing to look at the foreign market. I think there's some foreign big men usually that uh, might not go on the late part of the first round. Maybe they're a player you stash on the seats for a year. It's the dose of players that maybe can make sense with an early second round selection as well. Chris, talk to us about some of the sleeper candidates in this draft, you know, guys who are possibly being overlooked relative to their prospective draft position or just quickly rising up the ranks. Well, I think there's a couple of players, maybe that would be late first-rounders, maybe worst-case early second-rounders, who maybe aren't going to be household names. Ricky Lito, a player out of Providence, who's one of the top uh, high school players in the uh, a year ago but did not play this past year at Providence due to academics, decided to come out, so a lot of people really aren't familiar with him, but it's had very impressive workouts his stock really seems to be moving up. Another player, kind of a unusual circumstance, Glenn Rice Jr. Of course, everybody knows Glenn Rice, who was one of the best shooters in the NBA, had a long NBA career with Miami and some other teams in the league. Uh, but he's a player who was okay prospect at uh, Georgia Tech, kind of ran into some problems there with the coaching staff, left that program, played in the NBDL, a, a program that a lot of your listeners are very familiar with. Didn't do a lot, really, to be honest, at, at Rio Grande, but really came on strong in the second half of the season, played really well in the playoffs, and was one of the best prospects in the NBDL. So he's a player whose stock has moved up, who's you know kind of gone a different route to maybe be possibly a late first-round, early second-round pick. You talked earlier about the seniors being more experienced and sometimes being overlooked. You mentioned Draymond Green from last year. Uh, from a Rockets perspective, I always think of Patrick Patterson and Jordan Hill. Patterson came out and was uh, much more NBA-ready, while Hill was regarded as having a higher ceiling, but he was a little bit more raw. Uh, you mentioned a few guys in this draft class already. Are there any other guys in this draft that are more NBA-ready? Yeah, again, I think those seniors, I mentioned Walters and Muscala, you know, the question is how much more of an upside do you have when you're a 22, which is still so young and so funny that, you know, people get enamored with the 18, 19-year-olds and kind of forget about the 22-year-olds. But I think there are some players that maybe fit that mold a little bit. Uh, Kelly Olenek, you know, a player redshirted at Gonzaga, really improved a lot, I think, this year, was a win for that, uh, finalist, I vote for that award, helped pick the players for that award. I think he's a player that maybe – goes in that mix, or maybe he doesn't have the big upside. But again, I, I look at players with size. He's a 6'11 player who runs the board, can do well, can step out, shoot. Not much of a rim protector. I think that's kind of the knock on him. He's not going to be a great shot blocker, maybe the NBA, but does some things that really stretches out the floor, runs the floor, can do well. And again, maybe people are going to look at him and not be enamored with him because maybe he doesn't have the big upside or the great leaping ability that maybe some other players do. But again, I think he's a player who's maybe going to be more ready to play uh, from day one of the NBA than some people that get picked ahead of him. Chris, you mentioned Ricky Lito. He's a guy that I'm interested in. Uh, I have to confess that players who are highly rated and, and recruited coming out of high school and, and then disappoint in a one-and-done situation in college, they always catch my eye uh, because you don't know if their talent just wasn't developed or shown in that situation or environment. Uh, and two players that come to mind that fit that criteria, I think that could be possibilities for the Rockets are Lito and Archie Goodwin of Kentucky who has great physical tools for a two-guard but couldn't shoot to save his life as a freshman. Uh, what is your assessment of these two wild-card players, and, and what have you seen or heard about these guys in their workouts? 
Well, Lino, as you mentioned, uh, is a player, you're right, a lot of people aren't familiar with him, but if you follow high school basketball, he's a very highly touted player, and again, has had very impressive workouts. Good one. You know, the knock on that whole class of players at Kentucky, the freshmen this past year, was they weren't as strong as the 2012 uh, group that had Anthony Davis and Michael Kidd, Gilchrist, et cetera, and probably not as strong as an incoming class, a couple of players that are from your area, uh, the Harrison Twins, who I've seen many times as high school players, you know, they have a great recruiting class. Uh, coming in, a lot of those names at Kentucky are names you're going to hear for next year's draft. But again, I think the philosophy or the thought process was all those players that went in the Kentucky's freshman were going to be one and done. And even though they didn't have maybe the hype uh, or the productivity of some of those players, I just think a lot of them felt, hey, I need to make the jump uh, because I was perceived as a one and done. If I'm still in college, that means you know I didn't do what people expected of me and also maybe some fear of a lack of playing time with all those good players coming in. But you're right, good one, a very athletic player, but you're right. Definitely going to have to show the ability to be a lot more consistent as a shooter. But he's a player. He's got good size to play, maybe some small forward as well as shooting guard, depending on some matchup situations. You know, probably can maybe go in that late first round. But you're right, two highly touted players, you know, that maybe we didn't see the best out of this year, uh, despite some very highly touted high school press wrappings. But again, Lito, I think definitely has moved up as much maybe as anybody in the last couple of weeks based on some strong workouts he's had recently. Another intriguing player to me is another guy you mentioned, uh, and that's Mike Muscala out of Bucknell, a six foot eleven center who can play some forward, has a mid range game. He's interesting to me because the Rockets are a team that, uh, out of that four position, could use a guy that can stretch the floor. Uh, does he seem like a guy when you look at him? You know, he's got great height and a good frame, uh, a guy who could hit an NBA workout program and, and possibly become a diamond in the rough. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, like I said, I've seen him ever since he was in uh, a sophomore in high school, so I've got a chance to see him really develop his game. You know, I had an outstanding season in the Patriot League the last couple of years, and again, the Patriot League not known for producing a lot of players. We have C.J. McCollum out of Lehigh, who maybe could go in the top ten, possibly Minnesota at nine. I think it's a, a likely landing spot for him. And Muscala could go in that late first, uh, worst case, I think one of the few, first few picks in that early second round. Minnesota has a couple selections early in the second round. I think he would make some sense as a, not only a local favorite, but would be a player who would fit kind of what they're looking to do. But you're right, his ability to stretch the players really worked hard on his outside game. You know, pretty good job blocker, not a great job blocker, but I think he could be a solid defender. As you mentioned, has the ability to play the center as well as power forward spot, depending on matchups. Needs to continue to get a little bit stronger, but you're right, I think he's a player who's really improved, you know, over the, not only his high school career, but also his college career, and a, a, one of those players, again, under the radar, but again, I think the fact that he's played, you know, 140 games, played against good competition uh, in non-conference situations and played well in those type of games, I think he's a player who's going to be maybe more ready to step in, and this past year, we saw you know, a lot of players, I think there were like 12 players who actually spent more time in the NBDL that were first-round picks than they did in the NBA, and I think Muscala, by having that experience, being able to play a couple different positions, you know, might end up having a pretty solid rookie season. You know, we've talked about, you know, some sleeper candidates. You know, let's, let's go to the flip side here. Who do you feel are some of the players who are possibly being a little overrated right now? Well, Owen Depot is one of those players. I still always worry about players, and I hate to bring up names from the past, but players that are juniors that kind of blow up. I always am a little leery of just because I like players who have done it throughout their career. Uh, I look at, you know, players like a Joel Alexander was eighth pick from Milwaukee several years ago, never made in the NBA. Even Thomas Robinson, I always wondered about him. He had played behind the Morris Twins, but, you know, you saw the big move he made from the sophomore to his junior season that obviously did not pan out at Sacramento. And, of course, you're already hearing talk about him being on the training block already uh, with Houston. You look at, you know, Hashim to beat other players. I always kind of question. That's the one knock I have a little bit on 
Oladipo is, you know, where was he the first two years? He wasn't a big-time recruit. I mentioned that before, but I still am a little bit leery of those type of players. But I give him a lot of credit. He's one of those kids from everybody you talk to who's always in the gym. He's there every day. They almost have to throw him out of the gym uh, because he's there so much. So he's a little bit a player I just worry a little bit about. Another player is uh, Contavious Caldwell-Pope. I always wonder about players who aren't winners. Uh, at the collegiate level, obviously part of it is your teammates. But you look at you know so many of these players, you know, uh, you know Michigan with with uh, with Trey Burke, you know they made it to the championship. Year. Otto Porter Jr. They lost in the first round, but you look at Georgetown. They really, when you look at the talent level compared to some other teams, they weren't as talented as other teams. You have Syracuse who's made a strong run. Most of these players, you know, played on teams that you know at least did something in the NCAA tournament, at least got to the tournament. Uh, Georgia was kind of a, a team that underachieved the last couple of years, so I was kind of worry about that type of player as well you know there have been multiple reports uh, now that the rockets are looking to go the international route with their pick the 34th pick or uh, a pick that they possibly acquire in the first round what's your assessment of the, the talent pool this year from the from the international side who do you feel are some of the top guys that this draft has to offer well i actually think it's a pretty solid draft in the foreign route and the foreign route kind of seems like it runs in peaks and valleys of course we had you know dirk Nowitzki kind of made you know foreign players you know, the end thing, and then we saw a run, unfortunately, of players that weren't up to that level. Darko Millicent's friend Vasquez, a, a 12th pick overall by Orlando, who never even played a minute in the NBA. You had Frederick Weiss, you know, the Knicks took with a very high pick. You have, you know, Nicholas Kittich-Billy, who was the fourth pick, who unfortunately didn't pan out. So now, I think teams are doing more and more homework and are scouting much more throughout the year instead of maybe just part-time overseas. And, of course, you look, you know, obviously a team like San Antonio with Parker and Ginobili. If they don't have those two players, they're nowhere near what they, they are with those two players. So I think knowing the foreign market is important, but we've seen a lot of mistakes in the foreign players. But I think it's actually a pretty deep draft after maybe a couple of down drafts recently with foreign players. And, again, I think Dario Saric, a player who many thought would be a lottery pick, a lot of people were projecting him to Dallas. He decided to pull out the draft. I still think there are several foreign players that will go in the lottery. Sergey Carson, a uh, player who many people think Dallas again, because I think Dallas is a team because of the salary cap and wanted to be a major player in the offseason. It was maybe going to take somebody that they try and stash overseas. But I think this is a pretty deep draft of foreign players, so you'll hear quite a few names that, you know, Fran Francillo is going to be talking about that maybe a lot of the other NBA analysts don't know much about. But again, size is a big thing, and I think you look at a player like Rudy Gilbert, a player who's about seven foot two, but has a seven eight and a half wingspan, which is about the longest I can think of uh, in the NBA. He was a little bit inconsistent in the Chicago pre-draft combine, but again, I think the teams are willing to take their time with him, be patient with him. He's a player maybe at one time is protecting the lottery pick. I think now is more of a mid to late first round pick. But again, you can't teach height. When you look at the NBA, there's just not a lot of big men to go around. So I think those are a couple of names to look for leading up to Thursday's draft. You know, another interesting storyline out of Houston is Glenn Rice Jr. had some issues in school, went to play for the Rio Grande Valley Vipers, the D-League affiliate of the Rockets. Um, do you see more student-athletes who have either disciplinary or eligibility struggles in college doing that same type of thing, and how does maybe Glenn Rice Jr.'s draft status and where he gets taken impact some of that? Yeah, I think maybe somewhat, but, you know, you look at Brandon Jennings, who's a player who bypassed going to college, went overseas, played in Italy, you know, was a high pick and had a very good rookie season in Milwaukee, and it's been a good player for them, and people were worried, will kids do this, go from high school right overseas? You have Jeremy Tyler, who did that, uh, and unfortunately it didn't work out as well. He ended up being a second-round pick, the 40, uh, 39th overall pick 
uh, and he's kind of been in and out of the league. So I don't see that trend going. And, you know, Rice is, is just a unique situation. You know, he didn't maybe have a lot of options uh, with that timing. I think most kids, if, if they were going to do it, would maybe elect to maybe just go overseas where they can maybe make a little more money rather than the NBDL, where they're, you know, you're, you're closer to home, obviously, and you're closer maybe to making it to the NBA, but you're not making a lot of money. So I don't think it'll be a big trend. You know, maybe some kids will think about it, but uh, unless Rice definitely goes in the first round, I don't really see it as a trend that you'll see too much of in the future. You know, you mentioned Thomas Robinson earlier and, and the trade that the Rockets might be thinking about making to get rid of some cap room uh, to make a run at, you know, Dwight Howard, Chris Paul, other guys. Um, if he were taken in this draft... You know, the last draft was pretty top-heavy from power forwards. This draft is a little bit lighter, uh, has maybe more centers than power forwards. In terms of trade value, you know, if you look and say, well, in this draft, where would Thomas Robinson land? Yeah, you're right. That's a great point. You wonder how high he would go. I still think he'd be a lottery pick. I mean, obviously, you're right. This is a draft that has a lot of size because you have players like Noel and Land, who I think would be gone in the top six. You have some shooting guards, Aldebipo and McLemore. Uh, some point guards, Trey Burke, Michael Carter-Williams, who probably figure to go in that top eight range. Obviously, now you look at Robinson, obviously the stock isn't super high, so it'd be interesting to see what the Rockets are able to get in a trade since he didn't really do much with his opportunity in Houston. Obviously, it was a disappointment with, with Sacramento as well. So I think he'd probably still be considered you know, probably a lottery pick, but I don't think he would go probably even as high as he did last year if he were, say, just coming out of college based on, even though this maybe isn't a stronger draft, but I think it's a little bit deeper draft. So, yeah, you're right. I think Robinson, you know, if he got in the right situation, maybe could, you know, get back to being at least a, a solid, you know, type player in the NBA. I don't ever see him being a great player. That was a knock I kind of had on him. You know, I never saw him as an all, all-star type. I thought he'd be a solid, you know, player who could play in the NBA for a long time, and that's going to be the question. How much does a team want to give up on a, still a fairly young player. I mean, he should have been a senior in college if he would have stayed one more year, but obviously, you know, it was a big disappointment in his first season in the NBA. You know, I had gone back and listened to your analysis on uh, Thomas Robinson last year's draft. I thought you were pretty spot on. You really kind of focused on how he struggled in the paint late in the season. His competition got heavier, and, you know, as Rocket fans, we, we certainly saw that. You know, Royce White, if I'm not mistaken, you're based out of Minnesota, probably know quite a bit about Royce White. Uh, is it just a fascinating case study to me? You know, I was at the Toyota Center when we drafted him that night, and just absolutely fell in love with this guy. He charmed us. He just said all the right things. I, I was convinced that his off the court issues uh, just would not be a problem whatsoever, and, and I could not have been more wrong. I, I don't know if if you had got a chance to watch Royce White this year, but if you think if he can get his off the court issues straightened out, do you think he has an NBA future as far as his talent? Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's a very talented kid. I, you're right. He's a, a, actually one of the nicest kids you ever talked to if you talked to him one-on-one. And I've known him, you know, since he was a freshman in high school. So I followed him quite a bit. He originally signed with Minnesota, ended up transferring to Iowa State, had a great year there. And of course, as you mentioned, was a very high pick in last year's draft. But unfortunately, with the, the fear of flying and, and some of the things he had, it wasn't great shape even when he was uh, finally did report to the MBDL. So he's going to have to, you know, he's got his work cut out for him. He's going to have to show that he really wants this, obviously. And he's been working with doctors and other people to, you know, try and make that comeback. But you're right, he's definitely got the talent to play in the NBA. That's why one of the reasons so many people were so high on him in last year's draft. But he still, you know, has got a lot to prove. And unfortunately, you know, I'm sure a lot of fans from the Rockets go kind of let down, and maybe even the front office. So he's going to have to turn those people around and get them back in his camp. But he definitely... I think he has the talent to play in the NBA for a long time, but, you know, 
has to really bounce back from a, a very disappointing and frustrating, I'm sure, for not only the Rockets front office, but for fans' perspective, uh, a very disappointing and frustrating first year in the league. Absolutely. Chris, before we let you go, tell people where they can find you and, and get your NBA draft analysis. Sure, again, they can check out the website, collegebasketballnews.com. If people are Twitter people, they can check me out at College BB News. Uh, definitely enjoyed the time talking to you guys, and would love to do it down the road. Great stuff, Chris Monter. Absolutely the best. Thank you again, and really appreciate you coming on. Thanks, Chris. Thanks again, Thanks, Chris. guys. Have a great day.